You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Basking in the glow of the win over hated rival Mexico State. Yeah, we've run our winning streak to uh, 2-0 against New Mexico State, and that's always good to be an arch rival like that. Um, It is. Jimmy, uh, first of all, I want to thank everybody for making Locked On Bama the first Bama podcast you listen to. Appreciate you guys a ton. Um, lots to unpack here. Uh, ironically, in my opinion, um, not a ton of good stuff to unpack considering we won 59-3. to uh, If you ask me, the injuries kind of overshadowed everything um, because they've come at a truly inopportune time. We will certainly talk about those. Uh, the other thing that I just can't get out of my head uh, is the first drive and the fact that New Mexico State scored before we did. That's weird. Yeah, uh, you know, at the at the exact moment it happened, I was uh, – because it came on the heels of not playing well against LSU offensively. As we all know, we played our worst game of the year offensively against LSU, and then to have the first drive – go sideways against New Mexico State was a little disheartening, but that was the only thing that went wrong all day long, really. One offensive possession, one defensive possession. We didn't even play that poorly again when we emptied the bench at the end and the new guys came in. Uh, It was just one drive. Uh, They were probably doing things we hadn't practiced. Uh, We see that every week now. It's been a problem for this team in particular. I think because of a lack of experience, uh, this team, the offense, because it's all new, they don't seem to do well when the defense is has has lined up in a way we didn't practice all week. And, and, we, and we're going to see that every week forever, really, because the fact of the matter is, look, unless you're as good as Alabama, you don't just line up and play your game. You don't just go, all right, Alabama, let's see if you can handle what we do every week. And no, no, when you play Alabama, uh, you, you, you change, you, you trick them. You got to trick them. I mean, heck, I mean, Luke, I mean, you know, if you're, if someone says, hey, Luke, uh, you have to uh, beat up Deontay Wilder to save your own life, you're not going to just box with him. That would be the dumbest thing ever. You're going to pick up a rock and try to hit hit him in the nuts. You know what I mean? I mean, there's, there's no way you're just going to box Deontay Wilder and, and, and win. You've got to cheat. You've got to do something totally unexpected. You've got to vomit on him and then to hit him with a with a with a stick. I mean, there's just no way, and that's how teams act when they play us. They know they're not going to beat us straight up. So what did LSU do? LSU played a different way defensively than they had the entire year. They made us watching nine games of them playing defense useless. They used the off week to completely change what they do, and we were totally confused. Uh, New Mexico State made some changes. And we were confused for about a minute and a half, and that was that. So if that, but that really, that's really the truth uh, in terms of what we face week after week. Uh, teams have to radically change to play us because they know they'll never beat us straight up. Now Georgia will. Georgia will. Yeah, they will. Georgia will just. Georgia will just play their game, uh, and play straight up and know they can beat us. Uh, to some extent, the Arkansas and Auburns will. They're not going to be intimidated by our talent level because they play SEC teams every week. 
Uh, they've had, you know, Auburn's had some success against us in the past, but there will be wrinkles. I will call them wrinkles. And what LSU did w- w- was wrinkles. But LSU admitted to the media this week, oh, we did stuff against Alabama. We haven't done all year. We, we're not a blitzing team. We put in blitzes that we hadn't. Ed Orgeron told one guy in the media, we, we put in blitzes that, that they haven't done here in 10 years. So wow. that's, that's, you know, so, so I think Alabama, uh, you know, it's just something that Alabama's always dealt with. I think this particular offense has a hard time with it because they're such an inexperienced bunch. That's very true. Um, and in a way, they're about to get even less experienced because of some of the injuries. And we will talk about those on the other side of this break. But right now, I want to tell you about prize picks. Prize picks is a leader in the college sports daily fantasy industry. Prize picks offers more college football props than anyone in the world and offers all the star players of the Power Five as well as the mid majors you might not even heard of. Prize picks offers any prop you can think of from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. All of our listeners that deposit and use the promo code LOCKED ON will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. You pick two to five players and an over under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Prize Picks allows mixed sports entries, and you can use their award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play or go to prizepicks.com. The key is be sure to use that promo code locked on to get a match up to $100. Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. That's Prize Picks. Go check them out. It's a ton of fun to play this. Also, I want to tell you about Built Bar. Built.com is where you go to get these delicious, nutritious Built Bars. Jimmy and I love them. Good for a keto or a keto diet. I wish I'd had a built bar for lunch. I ate way too much, but you know what? It's the weekend. I'm going to let it loose a little bit, and then I'll just get back on my built bars during the week. It helps you lose or maintain weight. Uh, they're again good for a keto diet for real. Uh, the low in sugar, uh, low in carbs, but they taste delicious. It's like a Three Musketeers bar that's good for you, and that's like my dream thing. So all kind of flavors, and they've got one flavor. Uh, or all flavors that you will love. Go check them out at built.com in the How'd You Hear About Us button. Put um, Locked On Bama or use promo code Locked On to get that discount. That's built.com for those delicious, nutritious built bars. Jimmy, let's do talk about these injuries for a second. Again, you know, I feel sort of weird um, being negative after 59 to 3. And I think this is exactly what Saban was kind of telling everybody not to do. But when we're, <laughs> He really was in his press conference. But um, at the same time, when we lose Roy Dale Williams, and it looks like he may be done for the year. As of this recording, we don't know that, but it feels like he's done for the year. You also lose I know Joe that. Huh? I know that. I'll go ahead and say it. I know that. Okay. Yeah. JoJo Earl um, also gets hurt. I don't know what his status is. Now, he hadn't been nearly as effective this year as I thought he would be, sometimes maybe because he's had some of his biggest runbacks uh, called back for penalty. But he still hasn't been tremendously effective, uh, or at least as much as I thought he would be this year. So maybe that's not a huge loss, except for we're going to put Slade Bolden back there now. And while Slade has been rather dependable, um, he's far from electric. So I, I think that 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 could hurt a little bit. And, you know, it was just just a couple other scary moments out there. There were a couple other times some uh, some folks got shaken up that were scary. But it, it's why you hate playing these games, in a sense. And Boy, losing Roydale Williams right now, coming down the stretch run, that's a problem if you ask me. It is a big problem if Brian Robinson gets hurt. Um, 
we weren't playing Roydell a lot. I mean, Roydell was the number two back, and I think he's a pretty good number two back. He even had a good run on the play in which he got hurt. Um, Roydell's a good player, and, and, and I think a dependable, decent number two SEC running back. But that's what he was. We thought all summer, Luke, we talked about on the show, it was going to be running back by committee, right? It was going to be Brian. It was going to be Jace McClellan. It was going to be Trey Sanders. It was going to be Roy Dell. And we would see all of them every Saturday, and they would share the load to replace the production loss by Najee Harris. But as we know, as the season progressed for two reasons, we got away from the committee approach. Number one, our guys started getting hurt by the droves. Uh, and number two, Brian Robinson sort of developed into a better player, I think, than some of us anticipated. Uh, I think Brian Robinson proved over the course of the season that he is an alpha dog. He is a number one back. He's a guy that we could depend on for 20-plus touches a game, and he would be productive throughout. And I was really happy to see him get the longest run of his career on the 60-yard-plus touchdown run. Uh, he was overdue for that, and uh, it was fun seeing him hit a home run instead of his normal uh, double in the gap. Uh, he cleared the bases with that one. Uh, that was great. Uh, and I don't think the Roydell injury affects anything other than Brian's going to have to have all the carries while the game is in doubt. And we're about to play a string of games where the, where it, it, it might not be decided until there are zeros on the clock. The Arkansas game could be close. The Auburn game could be close. We know what the Georgia game is going to be like. So there is a lot on Brian Robinson now. And there's also a lot on him remaining healthy. Because we are now an injury to be Rob away from, I mean, I don't want to be the guy that says, let's just pack the suitcase and go on vacation and then see what we got in 2022. But if Brian Robinson gets hurt, we're, we're, pretty, we're pretty screwed. Uh, there's just no, no doubt about it. Trey Sanders is an extremely talented kid who one day may be the alpha dog running back at Alabama. But as we can tell from the number of carries Trey has been given this year, they manage his workload. He is still recovering from almost dying. When someone said, Trey Sanders still isn't healthy, he almost died 12 months ago, dead. Not like stubbed his toe, hurt his knee, had an ACL surgery. No, he almost died. He was life-flighted in a helicopter with multiple internal organ injuries. And, yeah, it's a little tough to bounce back from that and be an every-down running back in the SEC. So uh, we're still managing Trey's workload. He can be the number two back, and he might be pretty good. But uh, we can't give the ball to Trey more than five, six, seven, eight times. That might be about a max for him. Yeah, and then, of course, we played Demoy Kennedy and Christian Leary in the backfield. And, and Leary, I thought both of them actually had some nice little runs. But here's my bet that people are going to make too much of those. I mean, they were also going right. up against New Mexico State late in the game as well. And, um, right. I mean, I don't want to see Demoy Kennedy getting carries against Georgia. I mean, please. I, I mean, That's no right. offense to Demoy Kennedy but he's been a linebacker for 95% of his career at Alabama. So let's not uh, let's not pretend like he's just going to jump right in and be fine. I think if something happens to Brian Robinson, I think what you're going to see is um, a lot of empty back set and just say, we're just going to sling it. And um, <laughs> well, it'll be Trey. It'll be Trey if that happens, but they have to be careful. I mean, we, we, we need the season to go as well as possible, but not at the expense of, of, of Trey, you know, uh, I, and I think Trey, you know, he had, what, six carries Saturday. He had several against Mercer earlier this year. Uh, I think he can handle a, a certain amount of carries. But, yeah, if Brian went down, Trey would still Trey would be the starter and Trey would get the most carries. But he's going to need help, even from the Christian Learys and Des Moines Kennedys, 
who have just been moved to running back for this emergency-type situation. For anyone excited about Leary and Demoya running back, just remember this. When this semester is over, when this season is over, and we start preparing for the 2022 season, Christian Leary is going back to wide receiver, and Demoya Kennedy is going back to linebacker. They weren't moved to running back to be running backs. They're moved there to uh, break glass in case of emergency. And uh, right. no, no one moved them there with in the Oregon State team that quit an hour and a half ago. Uh, they, they were they were fine, but you're right. Uh, if, if we're handing the ball to uh, Demoy Kennedy in the second quarter of the game against Georgia, uh, have your remote control in, in your hand. You might want to see what else is on TV. I mean, or I if your remote negative, control, but. if your remote control is in your hand, you might sling it at your flat screen because uh, you're going to be very frustrated. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. We're um, probably too negative there. By the way, I'm very high on Demoy as a linebacker. I think yeah, I am too. That, and, but again, and Leary at wide receiver. They're they're good players. They're just not. They were never recruited to play running back in the SEC and never would have been. I'm high on Sarah Jean Underwood as a centerfold. I'm not high on her doing my brain surgery. I mean, it's, <laughs> good call. so yeah. Uh, anyway, Jimmy, let's go ahead and take another break. When we come back, you know. If there's anything else you want to glean from this particular game, that's fine. But 59 to 3 over New Mexico's and a completely overmatched team, um, hard to really take a ton away. I, I think instead, we got to take the pulse of college football for a minute. So let's do that when we come back. All right, Jimmy. Um, yeah, 59 to 3 Bama over New Mexico State. Um, again, a little bit of a malaise right there at the very beginning. Bryce Young does throw for five touchdowns. Jamison Williams proves once again that, um, you know, he didn't just leave Ohio State because he was so far buried down the depth chart. I mean, he easily could be considered the best wide receiver in the country this year in in some circles. So uh, I thought that was good. And Brian Robinson did have the longest run of his career by a long shot. I think it was by yep. 40 yards. That's right. So Yeah, by 40 yards. Yeah, it was. And um, anyway, all that was great. Uh, Will Anderson – starting to pick up some more uh, hype for the Heisman, considering nobody else has been able to take the reins. He had another two sacks. So there were some positive things. I'm not trying to make it seem like all completely negative. There were certainly some positive things, and it was a 59-3 win. We need to remember that. But, again, we've got um, a physical Arkansas team with nothing to lose coming in. We've got uh, a wounded animal in Auburn. Now, Bo Nix, we'll talk about that in a second, and their kicker, we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, maybe issues. And then, of course, we play Georgia, who is far and away the best team in the country this year. So uh, that's going to be some some things coming up for sure. But I got to go around the, the nation just for a minute. Um, the boy, Steve Sarkeesian had to take the Texas job. We all know this. But um, if Steve Sarkeesian were at Alabama right now, I first of all, we'd be undefeated. There's no doubt in my mind. Secondly, Bryce Young would not only be the leader in the Heisman, he'd already have it. They'd be like, why are we even doing this? Um, right. And I think we would, uh, we would be much more likely to defeat Georgia. So, uh, but meanwhile, Texas has lost five in a row for the first time since like 1956. And they lost to Kansas, who I think went on the, I saw this stat and it's almost like, I can't believe it. That's their first road win in the big 12 since 08. <laughs> Is that right? That's hard to, I, I don't know that that's true, but I wouldn't be surprised to learn that that was true. I know Kansas – yeah, I think that's right. I think Kansas had the longest the longest conference losing record on the road, even longer than – Vanderbilt has won conference road games since Kansas has. So 
that's how historic that upset was. But, you know, Nick Saban lost to Louisiana Monroe, you know, in 2007 and then did what he did. I think to some extent there's a bit of an overreaction to that Texas loss, like it means something. Uh, it's year one. Uh, Sark has to rebuild that entire program. That includes the culture. Uh, they, they probably need to, as Saban did, cycle some kids out. I mean, that just aren't the answer. You know, kids, the kids in your program are, are either the problem or the solution, and, and they likely have too many problems, and uh, they need some solutions. And you only do that through recruiting your own, your own guys and recruiting to the culture that you're building. Uh, I, I, I don't think last night has anything to do with what Texas will look like three years from now. Uh, but, hey, if they're still losing to Kansas in three years from now, Sark won't be part of it. I mean, but, you know, like I said, Saban lost to Louisiana Monroe in 07 and, and then built the greatest dynasty the sport's ever seen. Uh, I, I, I don't think that Texas losing five in a row or losing to, to Kansas uh, speaks to what Texas might look like under Sark uh, two or three years from now. Okay, um, I'll say this. Everybody loves to point at the La Monroe game with Saban and be like, you know, well, our guy could do it too. Um, true. First of all, Saban didn't lose five in a row. Secondly, he didn't lose. I would argue that La Monroe team would beat this Kansas team. And <laughs> and, and finally, I, I think I would say Saban was building the culture and frankly, it's looking more and more like the players at Texas just do not either. They don't like Sark or don't right. want to play for him. So um, it, it's it's going the other way. So we can always talk about, I mean, it's the same argument when people use, oh, well, so-and-so wasn't a five-star and he was a number one draft pick. Okay, you go ahead and get you all the two and three stars and look for the diamonds in the rough. I'm going to go get the five stars and let the rough end drag. You do it the way you want to. You know? Right. But anyway – um, so that we was play Texas. We play Texas in what game two next fall. It so, is game two next I, fall. So, yeah, I, I would just say that we're going to get an up close look at, at at Texas in year two of Sark next fall. I'm guessing already it won't look exactly like the Texas team that lost to Kansas. Uh, I think we're going to play probably a pretty good football team again. We'll see what happens with the transfer portal. We'll see what happens with their quarterback spot. Um. You know, that's a good staff that, that, you know, it's a very expensive staff that he bought uh, with him over there. And, uh, I, yeah, I, I I still think it was a good hire. I still think it's potentially uh, a powerhouse program. Uh, it's just uh, it's just bad. I mean, it, it's just bad. I mean, Tom Herman was a good coach, too. People don't – people forget that stuff. You know, like, like Tom Herman didn't win at Texas, so now Tom Herman's an idiot. Uh, I don't think Tom Herman's an idiot. <laughs> I think Tom Herman – one day will be a head coach somewhere else and, and, and remind everybody that he's pretty good at that job. Texas just is a weird place. It's a, a, a different place. It's a different culture. I, I think there's a lot of politics over there. I don't pretend to be a Texas football expert, know all the inner workings of it, but I believe there's too many cooks in the kitchen over there. There's too, too much politics to it, too much, uh, hey, I donate all this money, so you have to sign this kid that's from my county. Uh, too much of that stuff going on over there. Yeah, ironically, they need a Nick Saban. They should have tried to hire him, wink, wink. Um, so, okay, that, that's Texas. Uh, first of all, Alabama has moved up to second in the AP poll, and they stay second in the coaches' poll. That just came out. And Mark Ingram just uh, eclipsed Deuce McAllister for Saints all-time leading rusher. They're losing 26 right now, but that's irrelevant. Congratulations to Mark Ingram. 
a guy many people thought was going to be a bust in the NFL. He's now the Saints all-time leading rusher. That's pretty cool. Um, all right. I, we got to talk about this Auburn-Mississippi State game for a minute. Uh, again, it's an Alabama podcast, but this is very relevant to Alabama um, because, number one, Mississippi State's defeat of Auburn essentially, I mean, 95% chance Alabama's clinched the West. All we got to do is beat Arkansas next week, and it's done. So Correct. that's huge. Also, I think it's it, – Auburn had some visitors there. They had some big boy visitors there that, that we're going after too, especially some 23 guys. And I thought it was good for Alabama to see a collapse like that. I mean, Auburn's collapse was, I guess, actually numerically worse than Alabama's collapse in the comeback. Um, and it was equal to Atlanta's collapse in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. Um, and I know there was a, a targeting call, which was controversial to say the least. I certainly wouldn't have called it. But uh, that is not what cost Auburn the game, not in the least. Um, Auburn gave up 40 straight points to Mississippi yep. State. That yep. Let me say that again. They gave up 40 straight points to Mississippi State, not to Oklahoma, not to Georgia. Not to Cincinnati, not to Oregon, not to Ohio State or Bama, to Mississippi State, 40 straight points. When they had already scored 28 on their own, so it wasn't like they didn't know how to score points. So, I mean, that's that's all on Auburn. That's the only way you can look at that. It's one of the great collapses I can ever remember. I mean, let's say that collapse didn't happen. Let's just say they played that game and the score was Mississippi State 40, Auburn nothing. Wouldn't we be stunned? Wouldn't we be stunned? Wouldn't we go, wait a minute. Auburn lost to Mississippi State at home 40 to nothing. And, 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 yeah, that would be a shocking score. Well, what happened is even more shocking because, A, that is exactly what happened. Mississippi State outscored Auburn 40 to nothing over a stretch of the game. But even more shocking is that Auburn had built a 23 lead before that all happened. So it's, like, more shocking than a 40 to nothing loss to Mississippi State. Uh, yeah, it, it can't be too good, uh, too good of a feeling over there. Then the rumors of the, the injury to Bo Nix when he's playing, you know, the best football of his career, and uh, even a rumored injury to their all-star kicker, Anders Carlson, who did limp off the field after one of the worst onside attempts you'll ever see. Uh, <laughs> he, he limped off the field after. I don't know as we record this. Uh, as we record this, I don't know uh, whether Bo has a broken ankle. I'll just say that uh, – Auburn people in the know seem to believe that he does. So that means there's a lot of smoke there. On the other hand, it's Sunday afternoon as we record, and there's no official word, and that would be such a big story. I have a hard time believing you could keep it quiet. So I don't know, uh, and I, I, I don't, you know, I feel for the kid always and never want anybody to be hurt, um, you know, but but it would change the Alabama-Auburn game significantly because uh, Bo Nix is, is – a player capable of making big plays against Alabama, and as a freshman, hey, let's let's not forget as a freshman next beat Yeah, I mean, again, he gets credit for the win because that's what quarterbacks do when they win. But he didn't do a whole hell of a lot uh, in that Iron Bowl. I get, that sort of wears on me a little bit. Uh, Bo Nix did beat Alabama. I mean, look, two pick sixes. He, he was the quarterback on the team that won the game. But yeah, I agree. I even said after the game, one of the things that because Alabama fans were so negative on Mac Jones. I'm like, hey, I know we lost a game, and that's sort of uh, important. But, uh, you know, we should note that our quarterback played better than their quarterback did. And, and, boy, that became very relevant in 2020, didn't it? Yeah, our quarterback actually threw six touchdowns. Just uh, two of them were to the other team <laughs> in that particular game. Um, 
And then, of course, LSU uh, comes back to being LSU against Arkansas. Um, Tennessee scores on the first drive against Georgia. And I think it gave people some hope that Georgia has some flaws. And maybe they do have some flaws because Tennessee could have moved the ball a little bit more. Hendon Hooker just started throwing it to guys as if his his wide receiving core was made up of all descendants of Manute Bowl. I've never seen a guy overshoot receivers like that. Yeah, and he had been efficient and good all the way up until then. But, I mean, it's kind of silly to say, I mean, to say, well, Hendon Hooker had been very efficient and good until he played Georgia. Then I don't know what happened. Well, what happened was probably Georgia. You know, but, yeah. uh, but, but that said, um, yeah, I, I thought Tennessee hung in there for a while. Um, Georgia is, a, is Georgia reminds me in every way, Luke, of 2011 Alabama and 2016 Alabama. Those those teams were awesome. One won a national championship. The other came within one second of doing so, uh, and they were both led by an all-world defense, maybe among the top two or three defenses in the history of Alabama football, or 2011 and 2016. But the offenses weren't that great. Uh, the offenses were more like game management. Let's not give the game away on offense. Let's run the ball. Let's not do anything too daring. But at the same time, we can make some plays on offense because we do have some dudes. And, uh, you know, in 2011, uh, the team was quarterbacked by A.J. McCarron, who played in the NFL for years. And then in 2016, by freshman Jalen Hurts, who's still a starting quarterback in the NFL now. So there, there was some capability, but Alabama did it on defense and just taking care of the ball on offense. And that's exactly how Georgia's winning now. So for us Alabama fans that want to think Georgia is unbeatable, uh, did you feel that in 2011 and 2016 Alabama was unbeatable? Because Alabama did lose games both of those seasons. In 2011, Alabama lost to LSU in the regular season. In 2016, Alabama lost to Clemson at the end. So this Georgia team's a lot like those Alabama teams who did lose a game. So Georgia is not unbeatable. They're just very difficult to beat, and there is a difference. We should also give a shout-out to the basketball team getting a nice big win, scoring over 100 points uh, against the Jackrabbits of South Dakota. Uh, the, the basketball team continues to look really good. Jawan Gary uh, goes down with an ankle injury, but apparently he's going to be okay. Luckily, uh, I caught a minute of the Gonzaga-Texas game. Gonzaga is going to be a problem in Seattle. I mean, I'm not looking for Alabama to win that, but I do want to play them well. And I feel like this schedule is getting harder and harder by the minute. Oakland uh, beat somebody. Maybe it was Oklahoma State. I can't remember who they beat recently, but Oakland out of Michigan beat somebody. And we play them next Friday night. Uh, we got South Alabama on Tuesday night. Uh, they've got They're all these good. transfers. Yeah, they got some. They got some dudes. I mean, the, Alabama's going to be favored by double digits, but they got some dudes. So yeah, this South, schedule is- South thinks they're going to win the Sun Belt. I, I don't know that they will, but uh, one thing I don't think we'll we'll hear too much of it because it's such a small game for Alabama. But I'm uh, being in Mobile. I'm very uh, familiar with South Alabama's programs. I love their basketball coach, a guy named Richie Riley. Great guy. He is awesome on the radio, has an awesome personality. He is super smart. He's a good coach. It's just South perpetually has a problem getting dudes. I mean, that's got to be understandable to anyone that South wouldn't actually be recruiting like an SEC school. Uh, South just has a problem getting dudes. But Richie Riley is a good coach. I I don't know how long it's going to take or where it's going to be, but one day Richie Riley is going to be a winner in college basketball. All right, buddy, that's going to do it for this episode. We'll be back tomorrow to begin to talk about some Arkansas and just uh, overall college footballness. So thank you guys again for tuning in, and until then, roll tide. Roll tide.